Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Happy birthday! Happy birthday. How many of you were at uh, uh, the inaugural service on, uh, in uh, September of 2006? If you were at the inaugural service, I want you to stand up. <laughs> yes, yes, man. Give these guys a hand. Only four of them are blood related to me. And, and the rest of them have become family. You absolutely have become family, and we love you guys so much. Um, DCC is now a teenager. We are 13 years old. We're a teenager. And it, it's been another great year for our church, and I'm, I'm excited about uh, sharing some of this information with you. Since last September, so this past year, um, we have received 73 new members that have gone through Discover Destiny and are now members of our church. 73 new members to our church over the past year. Amen? I love this. I love this. We have raised and sent $37,965.21 to the mission field. Amen? Over the past year. Yeah. We've seen 33 people baptized over this past year. Amen for that? Yep. And my favorite stat of all, 238 salvations over the past year since our 12-year anniversary. 238 people. Amen? And so now, church, that we've reached the ripe old age of 13, there are a few characteristics of teenagers that we need to be aware of because we don't want to necessarily become this, okay? Because teenagers tend to know it all, right? At least they think they do. Some of the teenagers in the room are giving me the, the stank eye right now. You ever got the stank eye? I'm getting that right now. Teenagers tend to know it all. Teen teenagers are ready to take on the zombie apocalypse, but they're not ready for tomorrow's math test. It's amazing, isn't it? A teen's music can tell you more about them than their mouth ever could. Well, we may not know it all. Trust me, we don't. But we are ready for the end of the world. And if you're not before this day is over, I hope that you'll have a conversation with us and let us help you prepare for the end of the world as we know it. Our music may not tell you a lot about us as individuals, but... Uh, our music can tell you about whose we are, who we belong to, and we belong to Jesus. We know that he paid a price for our sins, and because of that, we gather here each week to worship him and to grow in his word, and, and I'm just thankful that I get to do it with this body of believers. Did you know that traditionally, lace is given for the 13th year anniversary? Lace, yeah. And, and it makes sense because it's the intricate detail of lace that reflects the intertwining of the couple's lives through 13 years of marriage. And so uh, I, I figured that I would spare you the agony of seeing me in lace today. <laughs> Trust me, you're not ready for that. You are welcome. But I do love the symbolism that, that we, look around us, look around us right now. We are this diverse group of people intertwined together for the cause of Christ. 
different colors, different backgrounds. We come from different walks of life, but God has brought us together like lace and we are intertwined together for the cause of Christ. Now, when I say the number 13, for those of you who are superstitious, you uh, will immediately see it as a negative. Um, and so for all the superstitious people in the room, I decided I was just going to prepare a few thoughts for you here. For some people, that number 13 is, is a bad omen, and, and they see it as a sign of bad luck. And I don't think any of us actually like want to go camping at Lake Crystal on Friday the 13th. We're not doing that, right? I mean, we know better. And who can forget the disastrous Apollo 13 moon mission, which gave us the phrase, Houston, we have a problem. It's not exactly the phrase, but that's how we've adapted to it. And because of this superstition, it is estimated that, that nearly 80% of the high-rise buildings in the United States of America do not have a 13th floor. They just skip it. Don't even have a 13th floor. Because of this superstition, many people will not get married on the 13th day of the month for fear of cursing their marriage before it even begins. Sometimes great athletes wear the number 13, and they tend to come up short. Dolphins fans will quickly realize that Dan Marino, who wore number 13, will go down in history as the greatest quarterback to never win the Super Bowl. I love you, Pastor Andrew. I love you. <laughs> This is your year, man. They're going to win it this year. I, I just need to repent just for a second because I just flat out lied. We all know the Dolphins aren't winning this year. So. And probably the scariest part of all is that a, a kid officially becomes a teenager at 13. And that is a scary phase of life, isn't it? Think about it. I turned 13 when, in eighth grade while I was attending Taylor County Junior High in Perry, Florida. And there's something about becoming a teenager, and for all of our middle schoolers in the room that are not quite teenagers yet, I would just say, hold on, hold on, you're almost there, you'll get there soon. Um, last year, as part of, of, of my sermon, I, I gave you... Um, a glimpse of my seventh grade yearbook and when I believe we put a picture up of, of me from seventh grade it was awkward it was one of those awkward pictures and uh, a lot changed between seventh and eighth grade you want me to put another picture a year, yearbook picture up you want me to raise your hand if you want me to you think I'm an idiot I watched you get your phones out last year and take pictures of the screen and the words of the great American scholar Stanley Hudson boy have you lost your mind no I am not doing that but in my last year of middle school um, I, I, I did change when I was 13 I, I, I started growing taller and and I slimmed up now since then I have stopped growing taller and I'm not as slim but but I, I was, I was, I was a beanpole by the time I got to high school, but it, it happened in eighth grade. The change started taking place. I started growing taller. I was slim. I was nowhere, no longer wearing husky jeans. Any husky jean wearers in the room? Yeah. God knows our pain. Amen. Amen. AJ, I see that hand, brother. I see it. I was, I was praying that you'd be honest there. One of my sisters-in-law, um, put some highlights in my hair. And so in eighth grade, 
the hairstyle started changing a little bit. I went from just having a bowl cut to having a bowl cut with highlights. And so <laughs> life was different. And as, as I'm slimming up, you know, things are looking good. I started playing basketball, which probably helped me slim up a little bit more. And, um, and, and, and girls started noticing me in eighth grade. That was, that was the year. 13 was a good year for PR. It was. And I declare that it's going to be a good year for 13-year-old DCC. Amen? Amen. So I want to speak to you today about a building project that is not about our physical construction project. It's about our spiritual construction project. It's about who we are, not where we meet or where we will meet. It's about what God has done in us and what God has done through us and what God is continuing to build in this church. If you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 and as far as we know, this was the first and possibly the only time that Jesus traveled to the region of Caesarea Philippi. This is probably as far north as Jesus ever went in his ministry. You have to think that they're going everywhere on foot. So the ministry of his earthly ministry did not expand very far, at least not the way that we would picture it expanding. But this is probably as far north as he ever went. And with an earthly ministry that lasted about three years, uh, he, he chose to wait and visit this particular region towards the end of his ministry. And I have to believe that this was a strategic decision as God does not do anything by accident. How many of you know that God is an on-purpose God? Amen? God is on purpose. And so whatever God does is never by accident. It's never late. It's never early. God is not confined by time. Time exists in God. Not God, God does not exist in time. And so as we read this, we have to understand that this is a very strategic trip that he and the disciples took to this region of Caesarea Philippi. And so I want to pick it up, verse 13, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. And it reads like this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What you have to realize, church, is that Caesarea Philippi was a hotbed for sin. Las Vegas has nothing on this city. Although it, today it is a beautiful tourist attraction, it was Sin City back in this day. First of all, it was a place of idolatry. There were no less than 14 different temples to false gods that were built there at Caesarea Philippi. It was also a place of mythology. Greek mythology suggested that the god Pan was born in a cave in that very area. Mandy and I had the opportunity to visit that cave. We've looked into that cave. And, and, and they believed that Pan was born there. And, and, and Therefore, Pan was extensively worshipped there, and they would build temples in, in honor of him just to worship him there. Believe that Pan was a god of fertility. And that led to the third point is that 
it was a place of immorality. This region had become a breeding ground for promiscuity, prostitution, perversion. You cannot imagine how wicked Caesarea Philippi was. It is not a place that you would take your children to on vacation. It was not a place that you would want to, to raise a family in. Caesarea Philippi was the last place that you would want to go. And it hardly feels like the ideal place where you would want to start the process of building a church. But yet that is exactly what Jesus did. Because it was there in Caesarea Philippi that Jesus used the word church for the first time. He had never used this word. It's the Greek word ekklesia. And, and it means a gathering of people. And, and, and Jesus was saying that his people, the ones that represent him, will gather together in his name and that there was power in them gathering together. In, in this conversation of what Jesus was, was having here with his disciples from our text, you have to understand that, that he's at the end of his ministry and what he needs these disciples to accomplish. If the church is going to take root and grow, then he is going to have to impart courage into their lives. So th that's what this was. It was an impartation of courage. He says, upon this rock, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Men, I need you to understand that you are the core group and upon this, I am going to build. And no matter what comes against you, no matter what the enemy throws at you, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Matthew 18 and 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And so we know that when we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, that he's here with us. And wherever Jesus is, there's power. Because he was that fourth man in the fire, right? He was the one holding back the waters. We know that wherever Jesus shows up, it is there that there is power. And so no matter what we are facing in life, we know that we can go through this because he imparted that courage into us and told us that the gates of hell will not prevail. But why would Jesus wait until this time to mention the word church for the first time? He's had three years to mention church, to talk to them about what is to come and how he is going to use them to build his church. I mean, he has traveled with these disciples to some of the most beautiful places in Israel. They, they had been to Jerusalem together. They had been to the Sea of Galilee together. They had been to the Judean hillside together. And the timing of Caesarea Philippi, it just feels wrong. This is not the place where you want to stand up and give the motivational speech of we are going to overcome. You don't stand in the middle of hell and declare that we're going to overcome this, not if you want people to follow you. But yet Jesus picks this place and the timing of Caesarea Philippi, as wrong as it feels, this is the moment that Jesus decides to talk about the church for the first time the people of the city were literally knocking on the gates of hell you see that cave where they they believed that pan was born there was a temple that was built in front of that cave and in that cave was a hole that they believe went into the depths of the earth it was called the gates of hell and Jesus is standing in Caesarea Philippi. He's looking up at this temple to a, to, to a Greek God. 
knowing that the gates of hell are just beyond that, the cave right behind that temple. And he's, he's looking at it, realizing that there are people in that community that are dying and going to hell. If they don't get a glimpse of what, what, what Christ is and what he can become for their lives, these people are literally knocking on the gates of hell. But how many of you know there's not a better place to declare his dominion over the gates of hell than in the hellhole called Caesarea Philippi? I'll explain it to you like this. There's no better feeling than going to Choke Campbell Stadium, Dope Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee, in Tallahassee, after, after Florida beats FSU. And there's something about standing in the presence of your enemies. It's just a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Anybody ever been there? You ever done that? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? Jesus was standing, staring at that temple, knowing that, that these people were so lost in their, in their theology, so lost in, in their thinking, and he was declaring his coming dominions over death, hell, and the grave, standing in their stadium. It's as if Jesus was saying, don't worry about what the world looks like around you. I'll make sure that the gates of hell do not succeed against my church. DCC, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, listen to me. Don't worry about how dark the world looks around us right now. I promise you it's been darker. And as Christians, sometimes we have this tendency to, to, to fall into this trap that, that this, this, is going to destroy us. We have this promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, against the church of the living God, Jesus Christ. We have this promise. So don't worry about how the world looks around us. Don't you lose any sleep over corruption, wickedness, and injustice. We are a force to be reckoned with, church. We have God Almighty, the Son of God, fighting on our side, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Now, gates serve two purposes. The first purpose of, of a gate is to keep something or someone in, to not let them out. The second purpose of a gate is to keep someone or something out, not to let them in. And I, I, I'm proud to declare to you today that Jesus has used Destiny Community Church to bust down the gates of hell. And we have seen 238 people saved from eternal damnation. We have witnessed that just over this past year. Imagine all of the years combined. Just, just how many people God has used us and used this church to pull them out of the gates of hell. I'll tell you what, we've got Satan nervous right now. This church, we have Satan nervous. We have kicked down the gates of hell and, and we are advancing the kingdom of God. I, I love the way that, that Matthew put it in, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. Listen to the New Living Translation. He says, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Listen, we are under attack. We know that. 
But just because we, the church, are under attack, it does not mean that it stops our progress. We are still forcefully advancing. And it's time that the church starts recognizing that we will not lose because we are founded upon the rock. We have the foundation that we need, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Now, our weapons are not hate and judgment. Oh, we're going to get into this in, in, in a couple of months with a series that I'm working on, but, but I don't have time today. But our weapons are not hate and judgment. Our weapons are grace, mercy, and love. That's how we fight. Why? Because love never fails. Never. Because God is love. Amen? So before we ever launch this church, I made a statement to a small core group and, and, and just some some training some preview sessions of of us meeting and i've made this statement it's more of a question but i've made this statement every year if we were to cease to exist tomorrow would our community miss us if we were to cease to exist tomorrow would the community miss destiny community church and I've made the statement before that, that if they don't, if they would not miss us, then I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not here to just get a paycheck. I'm here to help the kingdom of God advance. And I believe that Destiny Community Church and the people that make up this great body, you, I believe that you want to help the kingdom of God advance. Congressman Yoho stated in a letter to my office earlier this year, he said, you have been a force of positive change ever since you established Destiny Community Church in the Newberry community. Your method of guiding others with their faith through discovery, dependence, development, and direction has been a proven success. Congressman Yoho knows the four Ds of destiny. Do you know how proud that made me? just recently received another letter this one from our city mayor jordan marlowe and he said some things in his letter that i wanted to share with you he said without dcc the city of newberry would be less than we are now newberry is blessed to have you your church has and continues to enrich this community through your example of christ's love and your example of this love is unfailing you are everything a church should be If we were to cease to exist tomorrow, we would be missed. But the good news is, there's not a devil in hell that can defeat this church. We will exist tomorrow. As long as we keep the foundation on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, we will not fail. Church, do me a favor. Don't ever let this church become built around me or my personality. I'm not the founder. He just allowed me the opportunity to be the first pastor. And I know that there's a day coming. It, it's not tomorrow. I have nothing on the horizon, I promise you. So don't send me emails and go into a panic. 
course, some of you might be like, yeah, he's leaving, but no, I'm not, I'm not. There's nothing on the horizon, but I know that there is a day coming when there will be a second pastor of this church. And I'm okay with that because this thing is so much bigger than me. And as long as we keep our foundation on the rock, we will be unconquerable. Matthew chapter 7, just nine chapters earlier than what happened in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus shared a parable about a wise man and a foolish man. Many of you know this parable where Jesus says that the wise man built his house on the rock and when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, the house did not fall. It was, it was firmly founded on a rock. He also said that the foolish man built his house on the sand and when the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew, the house fell. And Jesus said these words, he said, great was the fall of it. In other words, it was catastrophic. The fall of this house that was built upon the sand, it did not have a firm foundation. Because it did not have that, it was, a, it was catastrophic damage. There's nothing worse than seeing the fall of a church that was once prominent in a community. We're 13 years strong. Every year, God has added to our number daily those who are being saved. That's, that's an Acts church is what it is. I told myself I wasn't going to talk about our construction project. Things are good. Things are, things are moving right along. We'll be in there before you know it. But I think there's something very important that I need to share with you. One of the delays that, that we had with our construction project was poor soil conditions. I'm not blaming anyone, but in an effort to save us money, the construction company, they did not undercut the pad and replace it with, with proper fill that would have, would have been better. And, and for months, there was no rain, and it was passing inspections, and everything was, was beautiful. It was, it was moving forward because they, they built the pad out of the dirt that was dug out of the retention areas, which is a mixture of dirt and clay. Like I said, it passed inspections and compaction tests as long as it was dry because you can build on it when it's dry. And it had been dry for weeks and they were scheduled to pour concrete at 2 a.m. the day after Memorial Day. And if you remember Memorial Day, you will remember that the heavens opened up on Memorial Day and we were all swimming. It was a downpour. And the footers and the column pads of that building, with it being a mixture of dirt and clay, it just filled up and the water had nowhere to go. They had to cancel the pour for the very next day. And, and it was just, it was a discouraging moment for me because I thought we were there. That's what we had been waiting on. If we could just get the concrete poured, they can start going up with the steel. We'll, we'll see advancement. This is, this is where we were at. And, and I picked up the phone, and, and as they were, they, were, they were trying to bring corrections, pumping the water out, I picked up the phone, I called our, our city manager, and I was talking with him because I, I, I was being, you know, being led in a direction that maybe um, it was, you know, someone might have been a little hard to get along with. And so I called our city manager, Mike New, and I, I talked with him, and Mike said, Rocky, let me check on this for you. He came back, and he explained to me the problems with, with trying to pour on that foundation or, or trying to pour a foundation on those conditions. Church, I am so thankful for city government that made them get it right. 
going in and digging out column pads, taking rebar out, replacing it with the proper fill, um, and, and just all of the steps that had to be taken. And, and all of that was for one purpose, so that Destiny Community Church would have the proper foundation to build upon. Did it add time to the project? Absolutely. It added time to the project, but it was securing what, 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 was being, uh, what would be built upon and the delay was not enjoyable, but we understand that it is necessary. Because we know that when building a proper foundation is the key to success, not just a physical building, but even a spiritual building. Your home is better when you have the proper foundation for spiritual success in your home. Your business is better when you have the proper spiritual foundation on how to operate that business. And a church is no different. If you don't have a proper foundation, the first signs of rain and wind will destroy that house. It took three and a half years for Jesus to prepare his followers to be the church. He didn't even mention the word church to them until the end of his ministry. Three and a half years. Does that sound familiar? You do realize it was three years ago today that we stuck shovels in the ground and broke ground. You can't do anything without the proper foundation. Whatever you build upon, a weak foundation, it's only going to crumble. And my prayer has been, God, build this church. Spiritually build us on the proper foundation. Let us keep Jesus Christ as our solid rock. Over 13 years, we have, we have weathered some storms and we have fought some battles. But church, I declare to you today that our foundation is solid. We have never been more solid than we are right now. Jesus is being exalted every week at this church. There's hardly a week that goes by that we don't see salvations. We are advancing and we are defeating the gates of hell. Why? Because we understand that the world needs Jesus. And it's our job to take Jesus to the world. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.